The latest projections from the Asian Development Bank are that the region, Asia, is expected to grow 4.3% this year. And this is the revised figure already, down from 5.2% in April 2022. It has also lowered its 2023 forecast to 4.9%, while inflation forecast has been raised to 4.0%, attributing this to higher energy and food prices. Now, given the continuing uncertainties we face today and the disruptions that come with these, how should CFOs strategize and lead their organizations to become the disruptors. With us today on Podcasts for Future CFO is Mr. William Fu, Group Chief Financial Officer for Luxasia, to share with us his take on leading as disruptors. William, welcome to Podcasts for Future CFO. Hi, Alan. Very uh, pleased to be here. Thanks for inviting me. If you could describe for us the business of Luxasia. So Luxasia is the company headquartered in Singapore. It was kind of founded by my chairman, Mr. Patrick Chong, 36 years ago. So it's got a long history. Started out as a company dealing in perfumes distribution. And gradually over the years, the company has transformed itself. Where we are now, we are an omni-channel distributor of luxury perfumes, skin care, luxury makeup, and luxury lifestyle. So we've kind of progressed beyond beauty into lifestyle channels. We are present in 15 different markets across Asia, including China, India, and Australia, New Zealand. And we've pivoted from an strictly offline presence to now kind of an omni-channel, offline and online channel distributor. We have our own e-commerce enabler called Leap that has helped us kind of progress on from our historical roots. If I could ask, that uh, shift from a pure offline to an omni-channel one, particularly the online one, was that recent, as in it was because of the pandemic, or even before that, the company was already shifting towards uh, an omni-channel presence? Yeah, fortunately, it was before, right? Okay. It was uh, it was done about five, six years ago. That was the first part of our transformation where my current CEO, Dr. Wolfgang Bayer, came on board and introduced you know, new, new concepts, new ideas, and already started the pivot into e-commerce. That was a good thing because, you know, looking back, had we not done that, the you know, COVID would have been a big hit for us. But as it turned out, I think it was a blessing in disguise. We were able to quickly pivot, you know, away from offline retail into online. And that really helped us survive COVID and in fact, I would say thrive even during COVID and to where we are today. What do people get wrong about disruption, innovation, and transformation? I think there is always a misconception, I would say, that when we talk about terms such as disruption, innovation, transformation, the misconception typically comes from the fact that these are needed because of some external forces. You want to do this because, you know, for example, if you are suffering business losses or you fear that your competitor is doing something differently or there's some new technology that you have to keep up with. So it's very externally driven type of perception. My sense is that true disruption, innovation, transformation is actually internally that and not externally driven. We need to disrupt because we have to disrupt and not be disrupted. All right? We innovate and transform because we have to do so. We are not doing this because other people are doing it, but because we ourselves want to create a better company, a sustainable company and a profitable company. So how do you then become the disruptor rather than the disrupted? That's always a tough one, right? We always, I think many people, many companies want to be at the forefront. Nobody wants to be the ones hanging on at the end, right? After all the disruption has come about, right? And we've seen many famous companies, I would say, right? Many reputable companies from 20, 30 years ago that are no longer here because they just could not catch the weight, right? And, and did not identify the fact that they were being disrupted. 
So I think one thing obviously is, is to move quickly. I think more importantly is not to be contented, not to be satisfied. Right? I always believe that we need to aim high and then when we reach there, we aim higher. The other aspect is we have to challenge ourselves against ourselves. The moment we find, if you're at the market leader, for example, if you're just comparing ourselves against our competitors, when you reach market leader stage, you know, you are satisfied. But that is a very limited view, right? When you are always comparing against others, you are limited in your possibilities. I believe to be truly best in clubs, you have to aim to do what others have not done and others are not doing. And that's a continuous cycle. When you're the market leader, you still have to do so. That's when I think you can truly become the disruptor and not the disruptor. Now, there's this long-held perception that CFOs or finance are generally risk-averse people. Okay? <laughs> For those who are risk-averse leaders, how do you convey this message or proposal that suggests that we need to take a chance on something? <laughs> Maybe it's, as you said, it's untested by other companies, even in our own industry, but we have to try and do it ourselves rather than waiting for somebody else to do it and test it for us. CFOs are finance leaders generally risk averse. I don't totally disagree, right? There is something about finance being the last gatekeeper, I would say, that I guess portrays some truth to that statement. But in the end, from, for me, right, uh, as the CFO, it's all about taking into account risk, but also taking into account returns. Every decision that I sanction or as leaders that we do, every decision is about making some form of risk adjusted returns, right? So it's not absolute returns. It's not absolute risk is kind of taking the two together and seeing on a risk adjusted basis what gives us the best returns right and that is true for every new initiative that we do right for every transformation project innovation project it's always about there is risk there are rewards and returns in a way if i take out the risks and factor that in what does that look like and does that make sense because every decision we take carries a risk even if it's not tried and tested even if it's something we've done a thousand times before that doesn't mean there are no risks right it's just maybe slightly lower risks and maybe slightly lower reward. So as long as the returns on any transformational innovative projects are high after adjusting for the risk, then the project makes sense. And in terms of how do we convey that message, I think it's about making it bite-sized, right? It's, it's about breaking down complex concepts and presenting it in a convincing argument. We give bite-sized arguments. I always believe in simplifying the message. The moment we try and over-complicate matters, if it's like technical arguments, that's where I feel people are not comfortable because they don't understand what's going on. But if you try truly believe in your message, if you truly believe in your initiative, and if you're able to present it in a very coherent and simple way, I believe, you know, your argument would stand more ground. We've gone through, I, I assume, periods of disruption, whether being the disruptor or being the disrupted. Could you name one strategy that has so far worked to create a sustained culture of disruption? I would say this. It's important not to be too contented and too comfortable. I mm. always believed that when everyone is too comfortable, that creates a, a sense of love and, mm. and that's potentially dangerous for any foreign company. So I want to create some form of imbalance in the company. And I think it's not too much, just a little bit to make everyone a little bit uncomfortable. You know, so for example, I set stretch targets. I stick to stretch targets because I want to set a tone to make everyone just a little bit stretched, a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit unbalanced. When that's the case, when they are slightly uncomfortable with where they are and how the company is positioned, then the creates an incentive for people. Then I want yeah. to change, right? I'm, I'm not happy where I'm slightly uncomfortable where I am. I have an incentive to change. I have an incentive to continue doing new things. And I think that kind of creates a sustained and continuous cycle of disruption. 
What is your response to a manager that says no to an idea? You talk about pushing the edge a little bit here, a bit of a discomfort. How do you respond to it when a manager says, I don't agree and I don't really want to do this? <laughs> that happens more, more often than you know you believe. It's been many times, right? And I've said this to many people, actually. I, I, I have no issue to people saying no to my ideas, my proposals. In fact, I, I always tell my team members, better to say no to me, explain why, and hopefully we, we reach a landing than to be quiet or worse say yes but then don't believe it and don't execute it properly because I feel in the end I, I want to see I feel that the people I work with the best people are the ones that have some passion right and what is passion? Passion is about agreeing and disagreeing not to just take for granted what your leaders are telling you, tell you, right? So if you disagree with me, at least I know you're passionate about whether it's your work or the company and that you care enough about that to say no to me. So I do appreciate that actually because at least I you care as opposed to someone who may not say no but they don't care. I would prefer that, right? But of course, in a collaborative community, I think it's important to allow people to say no and then we engage further on. I clearly don't have a monopoly on good ideas, right? I'm not the smartest brain in the world. I don't have that, right? I, neither do I always have a monopoly on good ideas, right? Not, not all my ideas are great, right? My ideas and plans aren't always the best. Uh, so it's important for me to hear from others and to engage in this course, subject to being in the right tone and the right mindset, of course. Mm -hmm, of course. As long as we, we all agree that that is the right thing to do, then, you know, I have uh, on many occasions changed my mind. But of course, they have to convince me, right? It's not that difficult. Sometimes it's, again, it's about laying out your ideas and arguments and then we can have a discourse. And then at the end of the day, many times at the right, you, with the right arguments, I, I I will change my mind. I don't have an issue with that. How do you overcome barriers to innovation? We're coming to the new year. New things hopefully coming. Things will be better, we hope. Knock on wood. How do you overcome barriers to innovation? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, change management is by far one of the most difficult hurdles to overcome in any organization, right? So I, I don't have, you know, kind of a perfect answer in that sense. But what I find is that, you know, it's about good leadership, good values. These are not rocket science, right? These are, again, I'm not trying to make motherhood statements here, but, you know, at the core of it is, it's about good leaders and, and good company. For example, in Lux Asia, where I am now, two of the core values we have, entrepreneurship and courage. I actually love these two values because, uh, and we take this very seriously, right? We don't penalize people for making decisions based on our core values. Mm -hmm. So we encourage innovation, we encourage entrepreneurship, we encourage courage for more people, which involves some element of risk-taking, right? Because we are in a changing world, especially in the post-COVID world, right? It changes so fast, right? Mm -hmm. Things happen so quickly. So we need to move quickly, which by the way, speed is also another one of our core values. <laughs> so, you know, if you think about it, these are the things that the company cares about, the company encourages our people and it's kind of from top down it comes from my chairman and my ceo who exhibit those same values and encourage people across the organization to embrace those values if i think of lux asia we have successfully transformed phase one uh, over the last you know what we call phase one of our transformation over the last five six years pivoting from a traditional offline distributor to an omni-channel regional player and then we are now embarking on phase two which involves spreading our wings going to luxury lifestyle and basically doubling our revenue in three years right so i I think to, if, if you're going to set those type of targets, 
then you need to empower your people, right? If we can't be, be stuck in red tape, mm-hmm. be stuck in, you know, slow decision making because we're going to have to move fast. So we have to, as leaders, not just pay lip service, but to actually embrace, right? And, and truly welcome innovation and transformation and be prepared to fail at some, in some areas for sure, right? Not everything is going to be truly perfect. There will be hurdles. There might be times that we fall a little bit, but we get up and we move on. So I think that I think is a key to, to overcoming uh, barriers to innovation. William, thank you for joining us on Podchats for Future CFO. Thank you, Alan. That was William Fu, Group CFO, Lux Asia, on Disrupting the Disruptor, a CFO perspective. You are listening to Podchats for Future CFO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for our free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CFO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CFO. Bye for now.